the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. And as promised, I kind of woke up this morning knowing there was really one person I wanted to talk to among others. I had to have him, and that was Brandon Weikert, because the story that's going to have reverberations is what did happen in Florida and what lessons learned, besides which, Brandon, as many of you know, Brandon Weikert, author of Winning Space, The Shadow War, Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life, is also a very keen observer uh, of of our domestic political scene. Brandon, welcome back. Thanks for doing this a second time this week. Happy to do it. Thanks for having me again. Let me give you an overview that not everyone shares, uh, just one sentence, uh, and tell me what you think about last night. While we're saying, we being Republicans, while we're saying it's not as good as we hoped, uh, the Democrats are saying it's not as bad as they were expecting. We're talking about levels of good, and they're talking about levels of bad. I'm a little more upbeat than most of what I'm seeing yeah. on social media. Where are you? Well, um, you're right. It's not as as good as we had hoped, and I on um, social media have been very critical of the GOP um, and how they organized in these key states and how they picked candidates. And the bottom line is that, yes, we we did walk away with some advantages, but um, honestly, um, we we really should have had more, particularly things like New Hampshire or Pennsylvania. Um, uh, And Arizona is a mess. I don't know what's going on in Arizona. Um, But but the bottom line is is that I feel like uh, we're somewhere, George Carlin said that there are two extremes in life, Uh, Idaho's famous potatoes and New Hampshire's live free or die. Uh. Um, and, I, and I think, <laughs> I think unfortunately, unfortunately, if you're the GOP right now, you're probably closer to famous potatoes. And, um, you know, that's, that's a problem because um, uh, we, we really need to generate some momentum, uh, as we talked about on Monday, uh, momentum legislatively at the policy level. Uh, and we really needed more seats than we got, particularly in the Senate, obviously, uh, to be able to affect the kind of rapid uh, sort of change that we need um now it's just going to be kind of a holding action and that's not good enough anymore that that would have worked if this were 1998 or 2006 but this isn't those years this is really things shifting beneath our feet so yes your monologue was very apt and you were right to try to give some hope to people because hope is important but i think we i think we need to do a hard reassessment uh lessons learned uh over what is going on in the party uh, and where the electorate is. And the bottom line is our party is deeply divided between itself and the electorate is not with us. And um, it ended up being that the pollsters, in many cases, yet again were wrong and that you and I talked about how the social issues abortion was listed, but it wasn't the number, you know, such a such a priority to, to, to voters. It turned out that was a actually priority. Yeah. It's just the pollsters missed yeah. asking those voters. Those yeah. voters showed up at the end. Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, Republicans are going off on tangents about how we need to end early voting. And, and I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. And so we need to get practical now 
And another thing is we need to start looking at, and I say this as somebody, as you know, uh, supported the former president, yep. but we now need to look. We need to look now at these candidates yep. uh, who the former president supported, yep. and look very clearly that our governor and my governor here in Florida, uh, Ron DeSantis, is the only one who had a decisive victory last night, really. And yet, already the the Trump camp is going after him. Uh, clearly, they're threatened by him, and um, I really think it's time that we start analyzing what Ron DeSantis is doing right. And how do we extrapolate from that and scale it up on a national level? And sadly, I don't believe right now uh, that Mr. Trump is going to be able to do what DeSantis is doing. And we need to start having a real hard look now uh, going into 24, before 24's season really begins in the next eight months. We need to start having this conversation as a party because we cannot go into this thing split. This is exactly what happened in 1912. You had Teddy Roosevelt and Taft, who were basically vying for the same voters, they split the Republican Party. Either one of them would have been stronger than Wilson, the Democrat. But because those two guys split each other's votes, Wilson was able to eke a victory. And we know what history became uh, with Wilson. Not good. There's a lot in that. And that's a great analysis. Uh, I would quib- I'll, I might quibble with a few things with you if we get sure. to it. But they're de minimis quibbles at, at best. Um, let me start with... One of the things we have to reassess, um, we have to reassess where we are as a party. We have to reassess uh, what the electorate is and where we are thus as a country um, is one of those assessments. The thing I have been and I heard echo, uh, I heard uh, breezes and echoes of in what you were saying, maybe that goes to this is one of the things we have to reassess is 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 stop obsessing about process issues because we're missing the bigger picture it turns out we just as a party aren't as beloved as we think we are this country might be a little more left-wing than we're willing to concede and it has nothing to do with the processes of the election well our friend frank buckley i remember i was in a meeting with him and dan crenshaw and some of these other Republicans in 2018, uh, and um, Crenshaw was gloating about he at the time thought we were going to sweep 2018, and Frank and I, F.H. Buckley and I, were kind of like, I don't know about that. And um, Frank said to Crenshaw, you know, um, Congressman, 68% of voters, that's Republicans and Democrats alike, support Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. And what you're talking about tonight is cutting those programs. How is that going to resonate with voters in a general election? And Crenshaw couldn't answer, and he didn't want to talk about it. He got very angry. Um, he kind of went into McCain mode. But we need to come to an understanding that while you and I might not like these welfare programs, a majority of Americans do. And what got Trump elected in 2016 was not a libertarian economic policy. It was actually the fact that he was saying, I'm the only Republican who's not going to go after your welfare benefits. I'm actually going to manage them better because I'm a businessman. And uh, that's basically the argument that we need to be making, uh, you know, in this election, is that when we do talk about these issues, we're not going to be the big bad, you know, throwing grandma off a cliff, which is not a fair thing to say about us, but that is something that most voters, I think, think about us. And I think when we talk about social issues, we need to be very cognizant of the fact that, A, we do not have a majority of the women vote, and B, um, we need to get, get used to the fact that people vote early. Mm-hmm. And that means that whatever was the big ticket story six weeks ago, four weeks ago, 
that's what those people who voted in early voting and absentee voting were, were voting on. They weren't voting on what we were talking about a week ago. Mm-hmm. The people who voted on voting day were, but election day was only really where Republicans show up. Mm-hmm. And so that gives us a false notion of what, what is possible and where we're going. And I think all of us, myself included, really need to get used to that fact. One of the things I, I, that that that's smart, and yet it drives every point you're making drives again and again and again to the supernova known as Ron DeSantis. Because I believe if I saw the story right, I think he did get a majority of women in every single category. If I'm right, if not, it was awfully close. He did okay with women. In fact, I think he did better with women than any other Republican in the country. Uh, who is this now? DeSantis, Sorry. yeah, Ron DeSantis. Yes, he did, but that's because he wasn't making the big, uh, you know, Roe v. Wade issue the centerpiece of his campaign. He did talk about it, but he was that wasn't his primary issue. His primary issue was we want to protect our kids in school. Mm-hmm. His primary issue is we want to protect our kids when they watch a Disney movie, mm-hmm. when you talk culture. It wasn't about abortion. And so I think we need to really come to a consensus, unfortunately, that the electorate is not where the Republican Party is. And I say this as somebody who is viscerally very pro-life. But clearly, if we want to win elections, um, that's not an issue we're going to win on. But might it be in this sense? I mean, he did sign an abortion law that's very much like the Dobbs law. He made himself, by signing into uh, into law that, that, that legislation, he made himself vulnerable to the attack on it. He just wasn't vulnerable to the attack on it. It it, it well, wasn't the vul- he was he was go ahead. Yeah, well, he wasn't vulnerable because that wasn't the primary centerpiece of his campaign. Okay, okay. and furthermore, th- this is why I think DeSantis and the Republicans across Florida really had such a great night last night, more so than most other Republicans in in, in the country, mm-hmm. is because at a state level, DeSantis had an agenda, yeah. and he prosecuted that agenda with decisiveness and with poise and with discipline. And he didn't, you know, take to Twitter and start attacking enemies. He just executed an agenda, and he, he, he managed it, and that was what he did, and he let the results speak for themselves. And the problem is we had, unfortunately, four years in the White House under Trump where it was very undisciplined, and Trump had the wrong people working for him, and he had a lot of disloyal people working for him, and he didn't have the right people in the OPM. And so, you know, personnel is policy. Yeah. And whereas DeSantis, because of his experience in government and the military, I think, he not only has discipline, he knows how to hire the right people. Yeah, it's a good point. i got to take a commercial break. But anyone who doubts that, just remember, we had Omarosa in the White House and Ron DeSantis as Christine Pushaw. Okay. I am Seth Liebson. He's Brandon Weikert. We will take a quick commercial break and be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Brandon Weikert is our guest. Uh, he is the author of several books, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower Columnist, Asia Times, Washington Times, American Greatness. Maybe more importantly than anything is he is a Florida resident, and he is a very close observer uh, uh, to uh, to the uh, supernova Ron DeSantis. Um, talk about the GOP generally and the divisions in it. It used to be... 
and and maybe you're driving at something else, but it used to be the divisions in the GOP were between moderate Republicans and conservative Republicans. The division may be more like Ron DeSantis Republicans and Donald Trump Republicans, in which there's not a lot of daylight on moderacy and conservatism, right? Or, or am I misunderstanding where you're coming from on this? No, you're right. I, but I do think that establishment is now more behind DeSantis. Yeah. And, of course, right. the Trump people are using that as a line of attack, right. I don't think that's fair because if you if, if you know the establishment types, they don't like DeSantis anymore than they like Trump. It's just that they think Trump is more uh, more disciplined. I mean, sorry, that DeSantis is more disciplined uh, than um, uh, Trump is, and they're willing to give DeSantis a go. Um, but it, they're kind of holding their nose up when they support him. Um, so I don't think that's a fair line of attack that the Trump people use. On DeSantis, I think it's a desperate line of attack. Um, at the same time, though, uh, you know, Trump did do a lot for the party, and I don't want to downplay that, right. but I just think that going forward, it's like a new war. You yep. need a new weapon now. Yep. Or you a know? new general. Trench yeah. warfare. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, trench warfare was the, the kind of war that we fought in World War One. 20 years later in World War Two was completely different technology and tactics. Yeah. And if they if they use the tactics of World War One like the French did in World War Two, they lost. Yeah. And so, you know, that's the same kind of logic here. DeSantis is the kind of, um, if I can mix metaphors, he's sort of the upgrade to the operating system uh-huh. that we need. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, you and I were talking about that on Monday a little bit, that maybe DeSantis, excuse me, maybe Trump was who we needed to defeat Hillary, but maybe DeSantis is who we need to defeat uh, yes. Newsom or something like that. Yes. And yes. Yeah. Uh, there is also, and this is anecdotal, I can't prove it, and I, I might anger some in my audience. That's okay. We can, we can talk it out. Uh, but the anecdotal um, uh, evidence I bring to you, Brandon, is a lot of people who were very supportive of Trump, very. Um, And I think this includes me, and I was early on board, and I wrote a book defending him, um, as you were early on board. A lot of people are saying, my gosh, it's just, it's, 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 it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And when you look at Trump just within the last three days, I mean, I, this tweet this morning, I, you know, th- I don't know if you saw, but he's now comparing. You saw it. He's comparing. No, his, I did not. I did oh, not. well, he put out a tweet saying he got a million more votes in Florida than DeSantis did. Uh, and shouldn't that That's stand ridiculous. for? I mean, yes. Why are we That's doing ridiculous. this? Why is someone? So, yeah, this you is get like, it. In you my get opinion, it. yes. In my opinion, this is disqualifying. Uh, he, he really he he did not. By 2018, he was not delivering the results that he needed to be delivering. Um, and remember, he made a lot of unforced errors that I don't think a more skilled politician like DeSantis would have made, mm-hmm. like firing the general, or like like firing um, FBI Director Comey, which initiated the whole assault on him, or 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 letting Mike Pence and the establishment remove remove um, uh, uh, Mike Flynn yep. from the National Security right. Council. Once Mike Flynn was removed, that was the blocking tackle. Once yep. he was removed, that was when everything ended for Trump, really. It was the third week of his presidency. Or when Trump was using Kushner and, and his family to do key policy positions, and they didn't execute the agenda that he was elected to execute. And so I don't believe that DeSantis is going to make those mistakes. And I think if you look at DeSantis's record as governor of Florida, he is as clearly 
to the right as Trump is, but he's more disciplined. Mm -hmm. He's more effective. Mm -hmm. And this is why I think the left is so petrified of him. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that's right. And I, and I and here's what I worry about, because there's another series of anecdotes flying around that I think have something to them. I haven't seen a really good breakdown of this, but I've seen it in enough columns from people that aren't idiots and aren't liars that, you know, a lot of Democrat uh, money, some to a lot of Democrat money, some to a lot went to supporting very conservative Republicans in the primaries thinking they would be the easier ones to take down, but really having their ads written against them ready to go. And, right. you know, I, I, I worry that that, gosh, I just worry, given egos, that that is going to happen now with Trump. That he that they may try and do that with Trump. They are the ones that keep trying to make him more relevant. I think he relishes that relevancy. It worries me. Well, and I will tell you this: um, the Democrats want Trump to run. Yeah, that's my that's a better nothing, that's an easy way. That's a clearer nothing, way of saying what I'm trying to say. Yeah. More, there's nothing more galvanizing to the left yeah. than the the prospects of Donald Trump being involved in the, the politics again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It galvanizes. It, it, they don't. They don't really even stand for anything. These voters, they're just voting against Trump. And so you look at these candidates that did well. They really weren't Trump candidates. Yes, they may have been endorsed by him, but they didn't get too close to him. The candidates that did badly were candidates like Oz, right? Oz was a Trump concoction, and he floundered. He lost to a guy who can't even string a sentence together. And we can talk about, oh, well, election rigging, and you and I both know that all kinds of chicanery goes on every election. But you can't chalk every loss that the Republicans go through up to election rigging. Right. You can't. Right. It's just not it's not practical. Wait, not, not only is it not practical, it ignores the elephant in the room, which is we're missing we're missing the point that we're not as loved as we think we are. We haven't right. we, we haven't buttoned it up. And we haven't delivered results. Yeah. We haven't I mean listen, listen, Americans need inflation to come down, they need the price of fuel to come down, they need better economic policies. They're not getting it with the Democrats and yet most of them showed up and voted for the Democrats. We now have states in play that never should be in play. And it's because I think of the way that Trump and his personality and his presence has rejiggered the electorate, where even if people who want to vote Republican, they may be on the fence, they just can't get over the fact that Trump is boorish or that he's, you know, a Bulgarian, as Ann Coulter says, or he's just, you know, he's just not for them. It's more of like a status thing. And if you look at where Trump is losing, it's in that kind of upper middle class, managerial class. And maybe the Republicans aren't ever going to win the majority of those people, but winning just enough of them keeps them in power, keeps them competitive. But they're losing those people left and right. And it's all because of one personality. And if you remove that equation, for God's sakes, DeSantis won Miami Dade. Yeah, tell me about why everyone thinks. Actually, I got to take a quick break. Can you tell me why everyone thinks that's important when we come back, Brandon? Uh Thanks, I appreciate it. We, we, it's I I suffer from 
I suffer from the problem of, of not understanding the state as well as other people seem to. And Brandon lives there. He'll explain it. Let me go to break, putting in a word for our sponsors at Y-Refi. If you're concerned with stock market volatility, Y-Refi is offering an investment in a portfolio that is not correlated to the stock market. A portfolio where you know what each monthly statement will look like. No surprises. You can turn your monthly income on and off, compound it, whatever you choose. No loss of principal if you need money back at any time. And the interest is compounded daily. You're paid monthly. There are no fees. It's a secure collateral. It's an investment in a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed rate of return at up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right. 10 and a quarter percent. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, refy.com, or call them at 888-YREFI-34. 888-YREFI-34. Privilege to uh, have Brandon Weikert with us, giving us his analysis and insights. You can follow him on Twitter at we the Brandon, we the Brandon, and he spells. Uh, people sometimes ask, uh, you know, how do I find more about Weikert? And they get the name wrong, like they do leaps and. But so I'll give you his name. It's W E I C H E R T. W E I C H E R T. Yeah, Brandon. Um, I keep hearing, my, my gosh, DeSantis got Miami Dade. That's a new era. Tell us what that means. Why that's important. Well, well, just remember, Miami Dade County was one of the four counties that basically was responsible for the 2000 debacle with the recount. Yep. If you look at, so if you look, it is a largely transplant state. Um, there are two major highways connecting Florida to the rest of the country. For the East Coast side, you got I-95, and for the Midwest, you've got I-75, okay, going south. Now, my side, the West Coast side, is mostly Midwestern transplants coming down from Chicago, Tennessee, Indiana, et cetera, along that I-75 migration pattern. On the east, so it tends to be more kind of purple, leaning white. Mm-hmm. Um, Naples, in particular, is very Republican. But on the other coast, the Miami coast, You've got the New York, Boston, Washington, D.C. Um, corridor coming down and settling in Miami-Dade, uh-huh. West Palm. Uh-huh. So you've got real blue like transplants, and uh-huh. a lot of them tend to bring their politics. Uh, this attention. is what our problem is with L.A. and San Francisco and Phoenix. Okay, yes. got it, got but, it. But the difference is, is that somehow Ron DeSantis was able to flip this very, very blue little bastion in red florida and he was able after decades of republicans trying to decisively flip that region conservative or red and so or maybe you know slightly red but the point is is that he did it not even trump could do something like that right now Mm -hmm. trump is very divisive so imagine scaling that up everything i talk about with him is about scaling it up imagine him scaling that up to santa's on a national level Mm -hmm. That would be dynamite, because what DeSantis is doing is he's coming across as very practical and reasonable, and at the same time, obviously, a conservative. But he's not, like I said with the abortion thing, necessarily throwing it in your face. He's passing legislation, which is going to have far-lasting impact than a tweet or an executive order. Mm -hmm. But 
he's not constantly making that the centerpiece of his campaign. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and it turns out not only did DeSantis on that point do well with women um, and evidently do well with transplant plants from blue places, he's doing especially well with the uh, with the Hispanic community, which is, a, we do have to admit, a slightly different Hispanic community or Latino community yes. than other parts of the country. But, but, but he is but doing particularly well with them. It's important to note, though, that, yes, the Cuban population here is largely probably the biggest population. And Venezuela, too, right? Most, yes, a little? Yes, and yeah. it's also, yes yeah. but, but Cuba is obviously the largest okay. of the, the Hispanic community. But right behind them are Puerto Ricans. Uh-huh. And Puerto Ricans vote Democrat yep. consistently, yep. overwhelmingly. Yep. And that's starting to change a little bit in the state as well. So while you're not going to win that group completely, just getting a little bit of them over to the other side, mm-hmm. that now gives you a lot of maneuvering room. Uh, from an electoral standpoint, and that's something that DeSantis has been able to do. And and why has DeSantis been able to do this? It's because he has crafted policies and legislation and executed in a disciplined fashion this this agenda that has made Florida the most sought-after state, even as yet another hurricane is bearing down I on I saw it. that. Yeah, he's already doing press conferences on it. Right, yeah. He's right, rolled right. up his sleeves and went back to work, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's 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 really an incredible and rare political talent. Um, but, you know, it's also it's also true that he pushed pretty hard on the cultural issues of the day. I don't want Republicans taking away the wrong message. I want them understanding what the cultural or social issues of the day are. What your friend David and mine, David Riaboy, says is about knowing what time it is. Let me take this commercial yeah. break. And talk about that, because it does seem to me, I mean, he said it last night, this is the state where woke comes to die. You don't get more social, socially cultural right. than that. And he knows how to do it. He knows how to face the big corporations and the big interest groups and the big talking points on the issues that many Republicans, let's face it and be honest, many Republicans are afraid to touch and are afraid to talk about. Oh, maybe they'll go. Maybe they'll go with school closures, um, although not interestingly enough did not interest. I think it's interesting. A lot of Republicans let that issue go. Just let that drop. But, you know, also the sexualization and the racialization of children in schools that you don't get a, a, a more hot, hot button or third rail issue than that. And he was happy to fly right into that sunlight. Brandon Weikert is our guest. We'll pick up on that. What? what you do with what cultural and social issues are important and can be won. I'm Seth. He's Brandon Weikert. We'll be right back. There's a little Florida music for you there, Brandon Weikert. You did, uh, Jimmy Buffett, you didn't mention the other major highway, A1A. <laughs> A1A. Um, Brandon, yeah, social and cultural issues. We have them. I was having a discussion with a friend of mine, uh, a pro-life uh, friend of mine, who I think is more on your side of this than mine on the importance or not importance. How shall I say the the need to the need to moderate discussion on it a little bit? Um, and he was saying, "Are you telling me that the COVID issues?" are more uh, culturally relevant or more culturally impactful than the abortion issue. I want to say yes, because abortion affects about, you know, 18 percent of the electorate. But these covid issues affected everyone, 
everyone. Abortion yeah. doesn't affect children. COVID does. Uh, school shutdowns do. I mean, you take yeah. my point. Ron DeSantis, on those issues, he, he swung like no one else. Right. Well, I want to make it clear. I'm not saying for Republicans to abandon social issues. I'm saying for them to pick their battles. Right, 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 right. We're, right. I, I, I'm, re, I'm, so, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. And, and, and when it comes to the COVID stuff, DeSantis was more often than not right. And uh, in fact, I think he's right 100 percent of the time, um, whereas the, Gavin Newsom uh, was not. And Gavin Newsom is the sort of the, the bizarro world uh, DeSantis. You know, he's the exact opposite of everything else uh, of, of, of DeSantis. And Newsom is running another major state that might be facing he might be facing DeSantis in the presidential election one day. Uh, and I think that that DeSantis has proven that his policies are better than those of California and Newsom. And I think that DeSantis has proven that he's attracting people from California. My neighbors who just moved in to us over here in, in Southwest Florida are from California, lifelong Californians. They finally moved out here because they couldn't take it anymore in L.A. And so, um, you know, I think that DeSantis has figured out the right mixture of social, economic policies. And also, by the way, this is not well known, and I want him to get more vocal about this, he also has a foreign policy. Yep. Ron, DeSantis, yep. Ron DeSantis has passed legislation yep. that will bar Chinese funding coming into the state of Florida. He's gone after, uh, you know, he's made it very clear that he rightly supports Ukrainian independence. He's made it, he's, he's on, on all the right issues. Mm-hmm. He's in, he's, I'm sorry, on, in, on all the major issues in foreign policy, he's on the right. Yeah. And so even in foreign policy, even though a governor really doesn't have much to do with that, He's proven that he is a decisive and strong leader. And if he's given that mantle in, in you know, it's maybe 2024, hopefully, of being the next White House occupant, I think he will be a stellar president um, that would rival even Ronald Reagan. I yeah, I, maybe so. That. Maybe so. I mean, and, and he does come from uh, membership in the House of Representatives where he had a foreign policy. I worked policy. with him when he was. Yeah. Oh, that's not mine. Yeah. Um, I worked with him when he was. Um, when he was um, in the House of yeah, Reps, and yeah. I remember him. And I remember one thing about him, though. He was very annoyed with the way the House worked <laughs> because he's a, he's a leader. Yeah. And, and if you have an executive kind of bearing, you don't like the House mm-hmm. as much as you do like being a governor. Right. Um, because the House is very clubby. Mm-hmm. It's all about, like, can you kiss the ring? Mm-hmm. And DeSantis was always an independent mind. Yep. And so he's much better suited for governor. And he's much better at being a governor, and therefore I think he'll be much better at being a president uh, than he was even in the House. He's very good in the House, mm-hmm. but, but he wasn't there long enough because he didn't like it as much. Mm-hmm. And so I think that – I think he would be phenomenal. Uh, I think that he should run – I said this on Monday. I definitely believe it more so now. I do, too. That, you yeah. know, given how badly the Republicans perform, particularly those Trump nominees, uh, you know, the former president is apparently blaming his wife for picking Dr. Oz. Yeah, um, I saw I'm that, sorry, and I saw good. he said if people yeah. push hard enough, I'm going right. to unveil I'm some secrets about but DeSantis. Like, can, you yeah. Ron, yeah. Yeah. can you imagine Ron DeSantis doing that to no. his wife, Casey? No, no, no. Nor can I Nor can I see Ron DeSantis saying, I'm going to tell the public about Melania Trump. That there right. was this weird thing right. Trump said, I'm going to start right. disclosing things about Ron DeSantis. That, yeah, it, it's yeah. odd. It's yeah. just... It's odd, and, and I think it's petty. It's insular. I think, yeah, I don't think... I. Answer me this about Ron DeSantis. Does he take um, negative or critical uh, counsel? Is he, because I think that is the problem in the Trump 
domain. I think I think it's groupthink, and I think he doesn't want to hear anything that might counter. I I think he's got a good team around yeah. him. Okay. Like I said, they're not talking to me anymore. Yeah. But uh, I think he's got a good team around him, um, and um, I I don't really know. I, I don't think he suffers from groupthink the way the George W. Bush administration did or the way the tr- Trump – you know, I don't even think it's fair to say Trump has suffered from groupthink. I think the problem was Trump did not know how to staff the government, yeah. and it showed. Yeah. He, you know, he had people – when he did hire people, he didn't have them in long enough, and he didn't, he didn't hire the right people to do what he wanted. And I think part of the problem is – I don't think he knew what he really wanted beyond certain, you know, trade policies, and and that's fine. But I, I I think that the I think that that after four years had a negative impact on his ability to be effective as a as a chief executive. Whereas it's very clear if you look at the last couple of years, Florida, DeSantis has led and he has put people in power who share his vision, and he's given them enough leeway to execute that vision without him being a mother hen, mm-hmm. without him doing what Jimmy Carter did to Jimmy Carter's staff, micromanaging them as if they're a nuclear engine mm-hmm. on a submarine. Mm-hmm. And so I really think that DeSantis has cracked the code. For how, and, and by the way, Florida is a cross-section of this country. Oh, yeah. Have, with a, with, yeah, know, very diverse. People don't realize what that, a diverse right. state it is. I think it might be more diverse than New York. I think it might be. It, I think it is. Yeah. And it's in the same way that California, which is why I say it would be a wonderful debate to see Newsom versus DeSantis. Yeah. Because it's in the same way that, that California was, at least, a very diverse uh, state, a cross-section of the American public. Florida is as well. Yeah. And it's getting more so the more people move down here, again, in spite of these hurricane threats, Um, And so I just really think that DeSantis, from a policy level, has proven that he is the superior, um, you know, leader. And um, I would love to see that scaled up in 24. And I think that it would be a grave mistake. And I want his people to understand this. It would be a grave mistake if he fell prey to this fear-mongering that you can't run against Trump. You can't do it. Yeah, well, you're right, too. I think it was on Monday you said, yeah, and who knows what the landscape is in six years, you know? Who knows? Right, right. Yeah, you can't wait for six years. You've got to stay relevant now. And so staying relevant now means, yeah, if you have to go after Trump, you go after him. So what? So what? Or just go you know, for yourself and let Trump do all well, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trump's going yeah. to make this about Trump, and it's going to be very negative. And I see this as somebody who took a lot of flack for supporting Trump, especially in 2016. Yep, me too. But you yeah. know, it's you know, I I just it has to be said. Now. Yeah, I think said. I think so, and it's not. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I was just going to say it, it, it. it's not that um, I don't think it's not that you're in my position has changed. I think it's become clear that Trump has vulnerabilities now that are too strong and yes. that they and just don't adapt. work with the shifting landscape anymore. Adapt. Yeah. His, yeah. His, Trump's biggest problem is a failure to. Adapt. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. if you don't adapt, you die. You know, Brandon Weicker, you are great to join us on a day like today. Thank you so much, as always. Uh, delightful to have you a second time this week. We will catch up with you, you. Um, next Monday. Thank you. Brandon Weicker, bless you. Thank you. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be back with a few thoughts. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. That's a haunting song by Miranda Lambert, in case you're listening on the podcast and don't get the music. My gosh. She actually uses some lyrics directly from the uh, Frank Baum book, Wizard of Oz, in there, Tin Man, uh, Man Without a Heart and What It Means. Uh, 
boy, thank you for today, folks. You you did a great job of enlightening and teaching me a bunch of stuff. I really appreciate it where we are. I think we're in a very good place. Uh, again, to reiterate what I said, uh, we did better than where we thought we were a month ago. We did. This is not a time for us to be looking down at our shoes. This was a win. There is an investment in the culture and the media to make it look like we should be disappointed. We should not be disappointed. While some of us are saying it's not as good as we hoped, the other side is saying it's not as bad as it looked. I want to be talking about levels of good. I'd rather be talking about levels of good than talking about staunching the levels and the bleeding from the bad. Um, I also want to think about the moment we're in with this. um, We had a caller in the second hour on this point, Uh, you know, how it's it's maybe in some respects a perfect victory for us because it doesn't it doesn't allow us to to uh, to be drunk with 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 total victory. uh, And it gives us certain powers and abilities, particularly with the House and perhaps with the Senate um, to, to think deeply about where we're going for the Super Bowl in two years. And I say, you know, keep the tablets and look to the tablets. They're all written there for us. A lot of people, candidates ask me, you know, what speeches they should look at, what kind of rhetoric they should read. I always start with Reagan's time for choosing speech. It's all right there. If you want an advanced study, look at his inaugural speech in 1967 when he became governor. He quotes Montesquieu. God, this is such a great quote for our times. Montesquieu, the deterioration of every government begins with the decay of the principle upon which it was founded. We Republicans are here to maintain the principles on which this country were founded. It's a good place to be. Stay there, move forward, and we'll take this yard by yard. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth Liebson, class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.